Hello friends and welcome to episode 2 of season 2 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. Huge shout out once again to Wyoming. Nothing's going on in Wyoming except for these shout outs. Literally nothing happened in between last podcast and this podcast in Wyoming. So don't worry Wyoming, we got your back. We're, we're throwing you a bone here. It's uh, Clayton Croker coming to you from Saskatoon. Same with the guy to my left, uh, Justin Anderson. And of course, uh, Mr. Alan Doyle himself. We got Patrick Marsh joining us uh, via Skype in the Maritimes of Canada. Um, again, if you want to listen, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play Music, those are the best ones. Also, tune in, YouTube, Stitcher, all that stuff. We're all over the social medias. Just look up Batflips and Maple Dips. I don't have to give the tag, do I? People, they'll find it. People know how to work social media. Just search it. If you don't know how to search at this point, figure it out. Um, we are looking back at Russell Martin's tenure with the Jays. Kind of a Russell Martin tribute episode, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. Talking about the highs and lows. Talking about our favorite Russell Martin moments. Uh, we'll be talking about David Phelps, the new uh, relief guy we have for the Jays. Talking about some contracts. Talking about Bryce Harper maybe playing for the Jays. That was quite the article today, yeah. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> I, for one, would love it, even though awesome. he comes with a uh, a huge price tag. But uh, anything new with you guys? You know, new Spider-Man movie coming out. Looks pretty Avengers, cool. Stuff like that. So I know you guys are all about the comic books, not really me. But, Patrick, are you all about the Spider-Man or no? I am all about the Spider-Man. I cannot wait for that movie to drop. But more importantly than that, I started reading a book I know, hard to believe, but I've been a big fan of the Beastie Boys since uh, I was probably about, geez, seven, eight. Um, My favorite Beastie Boys album is Hello Nasty, blah, blah, blah. Um, Don't question my fandom. Anyway, I've been reading the Beastie Boys book, and man, I'm only on page like seven or eight. It is one of the densest books I have ever read. It is so... Like, there's so much on every page. It's overwhelming. And it's like a 600. Your parents would let it's you listen. It's massive. It looks like a college textbook. Your parents would let you listen to the Beastie Boys when you were seven years old? Oh, well, I mean, what was that, 93? Yeah. That was like when Check Your Head came out. I, think I wouldn't so. say that I was like. I was jamming it, like, in my bedroom. It was more like that was, like, around that time I started listening or, like, watching much when my parents weren't around because they were (laughs) – they didn't like – they didn't like that. Like, they they weren't into, like, me watching The Simpsons. Like, I didn't start watching The Simpsons until I was, like, 10 or 11. Yeah, you had to go to a friend's house to watch it? Exactly. I had so, so many friends like that because my parents would let me watch The Simpsons. They didn't care. So all my friends would always come to my house to watch The Simpsons, like every single day, always at my house watching The Simpsons. And then one of my buddy's parents found out Ooh. and, like, ripped my parents a new one and was like, how could you let my son do this, you know? And you look back at some of those Simpsons episodes, it's like... I can't believe you've done this. Who cares? It's so tame now, like, when you look <laughs> at it. Like, compared to South Park nowadays or Family Guy, like... The most tame show ever, but Beastie oh, yeah. Boys book, a good read. Um, that's all we did this week. Hey, fellas, just one book and one movie trailer. I've just been curling. Man, we're exciting people. So exciting. Um, let's talk about Russell Martin then. Get into it. He is, uh, he's gone. Traded him to uh, the LA Dodgers for a couple prospects. See ya. Uh, we'll get into that in a bit, but we're eating $16.4 million uh, of his $20 million deal. 
I think that's actually not that bad. Uh, we we kind of thought last week we in our episode we said it was going to be about eight. We thought it was going to be about eighteen million that we have to eat. So if we, not almost all of it, we got away with another one point six. Yeah, so that's not bad when you look at it that way. <laughs> but um, when you look at the prospects coming back, do you think that we got enough for Russell Martin, Justin, or should we have gotten more? I'm happy we got anything for him. I'm happy that we opened up roster spots for Jansen, maybe McGuire to fight out for two catcher spots because we couldn't go into the season with four catchers. And now there's three fighting for two spots, so mission accomplished. I was kind of hoping we would get maybe some better prospects. I mean, I know that Russell Martin's old, and I know that he He's didn't have a great good. year, <laughs> but the catcher market is awful right now. Like there People <laughs> really, really need catchers, and there aren't any catchers on the market, so I thought that maybe we could get a little bit more for Russell Martin, but still not bad. We got a uh, shortstop, Ronnie Brito. Um, we got Andrew Sopko, who no one knows who... He is. Uh, Patrick, what do you think about this move? Again, are, do you think we got enough or no? I like how Justin was like mission accomplished, and that immediately made me think of that stupid picture with George W. Bush standing on, <laughs> is it the USS Missouri, where it's yeah. just like mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. You're like, come on, man. <laughs> uh, no, but really, I am surprised that we were able to get what we got uh, for Martin. That being said, I'd really come around to the idea of him mentoring Danny Jansen, but I guess the uh, the organization must feel like they that's unnecessary because obviously Russell Martin is no longer a J. Uh, I'm excited about Roni Brito. He's not even 20 years old. Um, there's a massive logjam within the system uh, of shortstops for the Jays, so I don't know where he fits. Uh, exactly into the future. I think he's at least probably five years away from seeing even AAA. But um, I don't know. Who the hell knows? Now, Russell was probably one of the most popular players of the Jays, mainly because he was Canadian. Um, I will always remember the fact when they would go to Montreal, Russell Martin's ovation was way louder than anyone else's, except for Vladdy Jr. this year. Maybe you could argue his was a little bit louder than Russell's, but Russell was always super, super popular. You never really heard anything about him in the tabloids or uh, this guy's not a good locker room kind of guy. He was just, he was solid. I think that's the best one word to describe Russell Martin's tenure in Toronto. Solid. If you could use one word, Justin, to describe Russell Martin's era in Toronto, how would you describe it? A Ferris wheel. Well, that's not one word. I, if you're throwing some hyphens, maybe, but you have to <laughs> say that beforehand. Well, I don't okay, know. I just on. feel like because he went, he started on a high note. And in the last two years, he really came back and just touched back where he started. Like We kind of brought him in um, after a so-so year at the Pirates. Mm-hmm. And then he had two great years. And then everything just came crashing back around again. It's a big All old right. circle. Patrick, one word to describe Russell Martin's tenure in Toronto. Roller coaster. Because <laughs> that was the word I was thinking of. All right, so yeah, yeah. so I'll just I'll, I'll edit it up here after this, but um, yeah, sorry about that. I'm muting myself like an idiot. That's fine. Um, one word to describe Russell Martin's tenure: roller coaster. It is one word. I checked, and I just feel like there were so many highs, and there were so many lows that nothing is more adequate than roller coaster. I think Ferris wheel, like you said, was two words. That's cheating. Roller coaster is a more adequate ride at the amusement park. And I'm glad that we've gotten off because it's a lot of money to invest in a player that has no future with the team. And I mean, it would have been cool to have like a Russell Martin goodbye tour, but you know, cute Sarah McLaughlin, 
I'm gonna miss him. You're gonna miss him. But you know, get ready for Danny Jansen. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to see Danny Jansen get a full year as a starter. All I aboard mean, the Jansen was, hype train. He was hot for a while, then Choo-choo. he kind of cooled off. But like that seems to be like every rookie second year player. Well, they get hot for a while. Yeah. You, you hype them up, and then they kind of come back to reality. Then that's who you see as the as the real player after that. Uh, best Russell Martin memory, Justin. Does one stand out or? No, I, I would say like most of the, the the first two years he was with us. I remember when he uh, the first year we signed him when we were in Montreal for that preseason game and his dad played the anthem on the saxophone. Yeah, that was a pretty cool start to the whole Russell Martin era in Toronto. Um, and he had some big home runs. I remember a couple bombs. I think he had a two home run game at Fenway, perhaps. I think it might have been that year. That's one game that sticks Ooh. out. But I remember some bombs just against the AL East teams. I think he hit like a combined forty three home runs those first two years we had him. Mm-hmm. So I mean the dude was he was great. Um, yeah, he got 43 home runs. I'm on Fangrass right now, but he's only hit 23 the last two seasons. Yeah. So his power really took a nosedive in terms of the home run department. Uh, he was consistent. I mean, in terms of taking walks, the only thing that really suffered was his batting average. I mean, everything else kind of remained very stable. His on-base never changed that much, actually. Like, I mean, the last two years it was higher than his first two seasons. just a matter of him not hitting the ball as much. Yeah, I uh, really brought down his performance. But just, yeah, I think Russell Martin, he was a stable presence back there for at least the pitching staff, too. And we'll see if Jansen can do that. That's, it's something that catchers don't just have right away. They kind of learn it. Yeah, so, no. So hopefully that, uh, that he, uh, Jansen can find his way. Pitchers are going to miss Russell Martin because he's so solid behind the plate. Oh, definitely. Like, as a former catcher, yeah. he's, he's flawless behind the plate, really. Um, best memory of Russell Martin. Patrick, go. Uh, when he reached on an error in the 2015 Game 5 NLDS game against Texas. Shout out to Alice Andrews for yep. not being a good fielder. Yeah, appreciate that. That, yep. was a, that was a big Russell Martin moment. I remember Shout watching out. that just being like, thank goodness, you know. I'm going to tag Elvis Andrews in, us, in our episode post. He'll love that. Thanks. He'll absolutely love that. <laughs> Suck it. Uh, for me, my best Russell Martin moment wasn't anything on the field. Um, I think I told the story um, in season one of Batflips Maple Dips, but I was the uh, MC <laughs> at the Weyburn Red Wings um, celebrity dinner, yep. and they had Paul Coffey and Greg Zahn as their uh, guest speaker. So it was my job to kind of be the host and ask them questions, facilitate questions from the crowd, stuff like that. And when we were having supper before the event, Greg Zahn, and this was before all of the stuff came out about Greg Zahn, probably like six months before, maybe like a year. But Greg Zahn was just getting popular. His rants were kind of taken off. So he was pretty cocky at this point. Like he yeah. thought he was like the next Don Cherry <laughs> in Canada. He Remember that when he yeah, was just he like, was oh, look at me, you know? High um, and mighty. He would not shut up about Russell Martin and like not in a good way. He was roasting Russell Martin. And he was saying that he's not a good teammate and that he's first out of the clubhouse and that he would see him leave before the TV people and he just didn't like being there. And the whole time Greg Zahn's going off on this, I'm just like, I don't believe a word coming out of your mouth. It's just like, man, come on. Like, it sounds like he was a bit bitter because he was a former Jays catcher. And at the time, everyone was like, oh, man, Russell's probably like the best catcher the Jays ever had. <laughs> and it seemed like he was so he was critiquing everything Russell Martin did. And it was like, man, this just seems kind of salty coming from you, you know? And that whole night, like, we went out for lunch with him. We did supper with him. And he was like such a greaseball. He was talking about like his ex-wives and stuff like that and <laughs> putting them down. And it was just like, at that moment, I was like, man, this Greg Zahn's kind of a douche, you know? <laughs> and then a year later, it came out. He really is he a really douche. Is a like, douche. he's such a... He's such kind of a not a good human being. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of knew that everything he would say 
would be a lie about Russell Martin. And that's what I'm always going to remember is Greg Zahn shitting on him. And it's like, I don't – really, Greg Zahn? Like, you're going to do this? Like, you cover the team, and you're going to go all over the catcher? Really? And, like, you're a former catcher. A Canadian you should stick together, catcher. <laughs> you know? Like, but he just had it out for him. Yeah. And that's what I'll always remember about Russell. And, of course, when he threw the ball, hit the fist, led to that 45-minute oh, yeah. inning, you know? Yeah. I'll always remember that. And just how good he was behind the plate. Um, are there any bad memories with Russell? Oh, certain shopping bag years of this last couple of seasons come <laughs> yeah. to mind. We, we use that analogy a lot this season. We literally just swinging a plastic grocery bag up there, yeah. and just waving around. Like a kid with a blindfold trying to hit a pinata is basically what he looked like behind the or in the batter's box this season. But, Patrick, yeah. uh, <laughs> bad memories with Russell Martin, or are they all just good? Uh, I think a lot of it, a lot of the negative stuff has to do with the fact that he just kind of lost his way at the plate the last few years, striking out a ridiculous number of times. Um by the way, I just want to say one more thing, and this isn't just taking a shot at Greg Zahn. Russell Martin is the best catcher the Jays have ever had, period. Greg Zahn uh, roasting Russell Martin is so strange. It's like it's like that uh, gimmicky boxer, what was his name, Butterball? Yeah. Butterbean? Yeah. It's like Butterbean roasting Muhammad Ali. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's foolishness, and, you know, shout out to Greg Zahn. He has a hitting camp, uh, Greg Zahn's hitting camp. Uh, I guess he's going to teach all the kids to bat, you know, around 200. Uh, but nonetheless, um, I digress. Martin had a great tenure as a J. It, yes, there was some crappy uh, times uh, striking out and all that, but, I mean, we got to remember the good stuff, which was the back-to-back ALCSs. Uh, that we lost. I kind of disagree with the whole Russell Martin might be the best catcher in Jay's history. I still think it belongs to Fletch. You like Fletch. I loved Darren Fletcher, man. I'm looking at Darren Fletcher's stats right now. Those four years where he was a starting catcher, his batting average was 283, 98, 291, and 99. He hit 320 in 2000. And he played 122 games. And in in, uh, 2001, he dipped off because he's 34 years old. He had 226. But he had... Like, how many home runs did he have? 20 in in um, 2000. He had 18 in 99. And Fletcher was pretty good behind the plate as well. Plus, he played for the Expos all those years. I had a huge man crush on Darren Fletcher. I think it's pretty close between him and Russell. I don't know why, but, I, like, again, they both played for four years in Toronto, right? That sounds yeah. right. Yeah. That, well, Darren Fletcher technically played five, but his last year he was hurt the entire time and he was the backup. But, I don't know, him and Fletch... If you look at the stats, and I know that people liked Russell Martin better, but I don't Fletcher, he was so underrated for the Jays, mainly because the Jays were such a dumpster of a team back then. But I don't know, him and Fletch, I think they're pretty close. But if you disagree, let us know on our social media. Uh, toss us questions anytime. Darren Fletcher, I'm telling you guys, doesn't get enough love. He was a better contact hitter than Russell Martin is. Uh, well, like, if you compared peak... Darren Fletcher and peak Russell Martin. Fletcher was the better contact hitter. Mm-hmm. Martin is the better power bat. Uh, although Fletcher did have 80 RBIs in 1999. Uh, and Martin has the higher career steal percentage, or caught stealing percentage, I think. Yeah. Fletcher's is 24, and I think Martin's is 25. That's pretty good. Uh, let's talk about the guys we got for Russell Martin, though. I know nothing about him. I know Justin probably knows a bunch about him, so... <laughs> 
Take it away, Mr. Minor Leagues. Okay, so uh, Ronnie Brito, uh, he, they have him as a shortstop on here, but Fangraph says he's a second baseman. Uh, he he did play in both positions for the Dodgers. He's been in rookie ball. He debuted in rookie ball in 2016. He's 19, so he's still very young. Very very young. He's, he was born in March, so he'll he'll be he'll be uh, 20 coming up here uh, very soon. But this past season in the minor leagues, he played uh, 53 games with one of the Dodgers rookie ball affiliates, where he batted 288 with an on base of 352. He strikes out a lot right now and doesn't walk as much as he probably could, but he's got some decent power numbers, which I do like to see. His BABIP is very high. That's the batting average on balls in play. But it has been that way for most of his minor league career, at least over the past two seasons. So that kind of tells me that he's a good hitter. We Unfortunately, because he's in rookie ball, we don't have stats like soft, medium, and hard contact percentages. But I can tell you that he uses all parts of the field. He pulls the ball about 40% of the time, hits up the middle about 27, and goes opposite field 33. So he's not afraid to spray the ball, which is a great thing. His home runs for a fly ball percentage is very high. It's above the league average. Uh, his speed is not really there. He only stole one base this season, so he's not a stolen base threat. But he kind of profiles as um, a second baseman or a middle infielder with some pop, which I do kind of like. And apparently he's already ranked 27th on our uh, top 30 prospects list. He was the Dodgers 23. Um, yep. And that's according to Fangrass. I'm not sure if that correlates with Pipeline. It does. Uh, it does. Okay, interesting. Okay, and then uh, going on to Sopko, who is a pitcher. He is 24, so he's a little bit older. Um, his highest level reached is Double A. He started uh, 10 games in Double A and 12 in in High A this year for the Dodgers. His Double A numbers. Uh, I know you guys like wins and losses, so he was three and one. He did have four relief appearances as well, but he strikes out eight guys per nine, walks about 2.2. Home runs are a little bit high, one and a half per nine, which correlates to an eleven or an eighteen point eight percent home run per fly ball, and the league average is about eleven. Uh, he does give up a lot of contact. Looks like batting at batters are hitting three fifty six when they put the ball in play, but he strands a ton of base runners, and his ERA was three eighty eight, xFIP was three eighty one. So he seems decent. Uh, I can, I'm not sure. I can look at his velocity here. No, they don't have that for minor leaguers, but. I haven't read too much about about Sopko. I was more interested in Brito anyway. Sopko was kind of just probably a throw-in piece just due to the amount of salary that we're eating. I don't see him ever being a high-level major league con- contributor, maybe a low-end starter, a five-starter or a bullpen arm. That's about it. That'd be my analysis, just looking at the numbers purely. Patrick, do you know anything about these guys? or? Uh, well, I mean, Justin said everything. I, I read into Brito and did kind of the similar dive, although not as deep. And Br- uh, Brito, he is, he, it seems like he's probably going to end up developing at a slightly slower rate than Jordan Groshans, um, who I, I still can't believe we drafted him where we did, given his performance since he's, quote, turned pro. Uh, he's really overachieved, which is good because that means that if he can keep up the momentum, we could see him in the major leagues sooner than later. 
Um, but I see them both sort of being three to five years away from playing any type of significant ball. I think Sopko's time to figure it out is just about done. Uh, he's either going to see some serious AAA time this year or, I don't know, does he have like a – did he go to college? Does he have a degree to fall back on? Not sure. Think? I don't know too much about the guy. Yeah, just like he doesn't seem to have enough figured out that he would be – he would get an MLB start next year, but then again, we probably would have thought the same for Thomas Pannone, and Pannone actually had a decent performance last season when he was called up. So, I mean, sometimes these guys pan out. Most of the time they don't. Sometimes the team just takes a flyer on somebody, and it turns out to be Randy Johnson. Other times it's Ricky Romero, so who knows? A little bit of info on Sopko. Uh, 2012, he was actually was the first time he was drafted out of high school by the Padres, but he didn't sign. He went to Gonzaga and then was then drafted again in 2015 by the Dodgers. So it looks like he went to school for at least a couple of years. Also, don't be chirping my boy Ricky Romero on the podcast <laughs> ever again. Ricky Romero's a good guy. Ricky Romero's a great guy. He was an all-star for us. I love Ricky Romero. I still have his jersey in my closet, and I still wear it on occasion. Love Ricky Romero. Um, I'm Happy calling... retirement to Ricky exactly, Romero, by the way, yeah. too. He retired this uh, offseason. Well, we paid him enough money. He should be I fine. Lo- I loved Ricky Romero. I don't even care. We can pay him forever. I don't even care, man. I don't no, even care. we don't want to be the Mets. Um, I don't think either of these guys will ever wear a Blue Jay jersey. Heard I'd be, here first. I'd be surprised. I'd be very surprised to see these guys in a Blue Jay uniform ever, you know? Yeah. So, Russell Martin, we'll miss you. Thanks for the memories. He was the uh, last person on the Jays on the 2015 Sports Illustrated cover. <laughs> Everyone on that cover is now gone. The rebuild is official, unless we get Bryce Harper. Who knows? Yeah. Have we hit rock bottom in this rebuild, do you think? Is is there only way to go but up now? We, no, let, we see I these think kids. after this year is going to be our rock bottom year because I think the AL East is going to have... Well, is it really rock bottom though when you're letting players develop? I mean, we've we've gotten rid of everybody we wanted to get rid of essentially, so we we've moved on. So I mean, it, yeah. in in my mind, that kind of signifies that the rebuild has kind of it's it's re- we've removed all of the toxic mold and the asbestos out of our systems, and now we're kind of rebuilding as we speak. Like we're we're putting walls back up. So I think I think this is the year where it might not be pretty in the win loss column. But we're going to see a lot of fun games from these young kids. It's, it's going to be a little bit more fun to watch. I think we're going to have a bit of a faster team. Uh, and maybe a, just, just some more excitement surrounding these young kids that we've been waiting for. Agreed. It'll be fun to watch this year compared to last year. Because I think last year we, we all knew. kind of had hope. We were like, okay, <laughs> oh. they still might be good. But this is like the last chance, you know. And it just did not work out for I the I remember uh, this podcast started with Patrick coming up with scenarios of how the Jays were still in it. Yeah. And, and the whole time I'm sitting here, no, yeah, it's no. All, it's all not going to happen. Uh, let's talk about uh, the new Jay, shall we? Uh, well, another new Jay. Yeah. Um, David Phelps. Uh, we signed him to a one-year contract. He's not bad. And he'll definitely chuck in our bullpen this year. Um, Patrick, David Phelps. I mean, again, one of those kind of whatever signings. It's not a huge signing. It's not a... It's not a like awful signing either. Where do you where do you put this? Where do you see David Phelps going with the Jays here? I think this is a, a very shrewd, excellent move by management. Uh, Phelps uh, during his last major league season performed quite well. Uh, 3.40 ERA, 62 strikeouts, over 55.2 innings as a relief pitcher. Uh, he had TJ surgery in March. Of 2018, so there are question marks about his recovery. But that being said, 
He's 32. It's a one-year deal. Very low risk. The team is going to be bad anyway, so maybe he gets meaningful innings, gets to show off the fact that he is back from his Tommy John surgery and uh, gets dealt at the deadline. We get something for him, uh, and then he gets a shot at signing a meaningful contract uh, for year 33 of his life. Does David Phelps make an impact this year, Justin? This year, perhaps in the bullpen. I remember seeing him when he came up into the league with the Yankees in like the earlier part of this decade. Um, and as a, as mostly a bullpen arm, he did, he has started a bunch of games in his career. So the last time he started was 2016. He had a great year that year too. But yeah, his his numbers the last couple of years when he kind of transitioned to more of a full time bullpen guy, the strikeout numbers really went up. So did the walks. Um, but at the same time, I, I think he'll be kind of be a similar to the production that we got out of guys like Axford and Clippard last year, where he'll be one of those kind of older bullpen arms. It'd be good to have for as a veteran presence around. We don't have too many of those left, especially on the pitching side. So I, I think it's just one of those deals, kind of like last year, where if he's decent, we can train him at the deadline. A classic Blue Jays bullpen a move. A classic bullpen move yeah. for a team who's not going to contend. Yeah. Right? There's Sign no point the, in shelling out a bunch of money. Sign the old guy who yeah. has a bunch to prove, so yeah. if he pitches great, I look like a genius Jeez. for signing him. That's yep. that's just a classic Jays move classic right there. He GM is 32, move. but again, I think this is kind of a one-and-done kind of thing. Because yeah, if he likely. does revive his career and he does pitch really well and shows that he can be that guy that he was back in like, you know, 2011, yeah. 2012, oh, he's going to go somewhere else. He's not going to stick with the Jays, I don't think. I think the Jays is kind of just his his kind of launching pad for the second part of his career. Um, let's talk about the guys who we signed to avoid arbitration because, mm-hmm. like, the core of our team got signed on Friday. It, it kind of flew under the radar a little bit, but we don't have to go to arbitration with these guys. <laughs> Marcus Stroman's not fighting us this year. Yeah, Marcus Stroman's making 7.4 mil, so yep. good for him. I mean, I know you guys are kind of on the fence about him. Ah, I am too with the social media, I'm but not. on the field, I still think he's great, man. His slider's so filthy. <laughs> Interesting enough, though, Aaron Sanchez is only making 3.9 million. So he avoided arbitration, which is great, but is it weird that Marcus Stroman's making that much more than no. Aaron Sanchez? Not Patrick, at all. or no? Uh, no, it's not weird. Aaron Sanchez has the shittier agent, uh, for one thing. Uh, for the other thing, Marcus Stroman has performed more consi- uh, con- he has performed better on a more consistent basis than Aaron Sanchez, who can't seem to stop injuring himself. I which think, is super annoying. I think that another big name on this list too, uh, Randall Grichuk. I didn't really want to go into negotiations with him because I'm pretty sure he'd win because of the second half that he had. But he's going to make five mil. That seems pretty is, reasonable. Which is pretty reasonable for Randall Grichik. I thought it was going to be a little bit more. Bryce like Harper's asking for thirty, and Randall's like, getting five. Exactly. You know. <laughs> so I think Randall Grichik. I think I think that's a little bit of a steal. Everyone knows how much I love Kevin Pillar, but I still think we're overpaying him. Yeah. Uh, five point eight mil for Kevin Pillar. If you're I mean, telling me that he's Kevin worth Pilar. more than Randall Gritchick. Kevin Pillar is my boy. I will always back him up, but I was maybe expecting yeah. four. The thing about arbitration is that it factors in service time, too. Like yep. Kevin Pillar's been in the big leagues for exactly. a while now, so the, there's, a, there's a minimum that he can make. Mm-hmm. And he might not be a, like a world beater, but he's consistent. He, hasn't, he, he doesn't really do any better or any worse over year over year in yeah. terms of performance. So, I mean... It's it's just one of those signs where it's like we we need somebody out there. So there are not? definitely worse guys to have in center field than Kevin Pillar. Definitely, we can um, agree on that. Patrick, you can roast Kevin Pillar all you want here. I'll give you some. I'll give you a couple minutes. No, I'm actually not going to. Five point eight million is fine. He's thirty years old. This is what thirty year old 
players with mm-hmm. that much service time usually get paid. He's coming off a career year with like what forty two doubles, yeah, or something, something like that. that. He, he, you could argue that he was one of our better offensive producers. I mean, I wouldn't make that argument, nor would a sane man, but you could still make that argument. Yeah. Um, if you kind of mine some of the stats a little bit, um, I'm happy that Randall Gritchick got paid. He's going to be the outfielder of the future. Kevin Pillar, I don't see him lasting much further than July of this year. Uh, or, you know, if not the end of the year, but, um, you know, Pilar's are, he's, he's better than Teoscar Hernandez. Question for you guys, based on these numbers, uh, which of these arbitration guys has the most approved this season, in your opinion? Ken Giles. Aaron Sanchez. Devin Travis. Okay, Devin Travis is making 1.925, which I think is ridiculous because he's barely played for us in the past two seasons. He actually played the most games of his career the last, this last season. Really? It, se- it didn't seem like it. He played like 107 games. It didn't seem he like it. He's a low-impact player. He was yeah. healthy for he's the whole just... season. He spent that time in the minors early on because he was batting oh, so yeah, bad. But he, right. he, he didn't get hurt. He didn't miss time with injury this year at it all. It just seemed like he was not there he, for the Jays. He really wasn't. Like, that's the thing. I was like, I, really, Devin Travis? Like... I think it's Sanchez because the past, like after that hype, almost winning mm. the Cy Young year, he just has fallen completely off the map. Another yeah. big thing here too, I think the two guys that we got underrated here in these signings, Ken Giles, six point three million for a closer, pretty good. Especially what you look how he played. If he can do year. anything close, if if he can go a whole year without blowing a save, yeah, um, that would be an all time season. So yeah. Brandon Jury's one point three. And we I didn't really get to see him much. Yeah, but he I think that's good though. Arm, He'll be a utility kind of guy for one point three, not bad. Yeah. And then there's Joe Biagini. And uh, he's making $900,000 this year, which, again, is not a lot. But, I mean, at the same time, though, Joe Biagini, why is he still on why the team? Why is he still here? Like, nine hundred grand for Joe Biagini. He had a six ERA last year, Justin. <laughs> yeah. Six. Freaking six. Oh, that's not great. <laughs> I got nothing else to listen. I can't. I can't say anything worse than that. I mean, Patrick, I'll let you go off on Joe Patrick likes to roast Joe. Go on. Go. Go off on him. I am so tired, guys. I haven't been sleeping well lately, and I think I'm starting to realize what it is. Every day that Joe Biagini is a member of the Toronto Blue Jays organization, I struggle to sleep at night. Because I know that the Jays are paying a player who is out to sabotage us. <laughs> the only explanation for why Joe Biagini is still allowed in this organization is that he's some sort of secret inside man who's here to help us tank. Because his performance has been so bad, either he's an inside agent or he's secretly the love child of Mark Shapiro and some random Mrs. Be a genie or whatever. He just he. There's got to be some weird inside reason. We don't know why he continues to get chances. Maybe someone has never taken the time to explain the Rule Five draft uh, to Blue Jays management, and that he's not a Blue Jay for life now. He was only a Jay for a y- only had to be a Jay for a year. We can DFA him after that season's over. I don't know. I'm sick and tired of talking about him. It actually keeps me up at night thinking about Joe Biagini and his terrible pitching. I would rather have 
Mark Leiter back. Woo-hoo. So at least I could bitch about Mark Leiter. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've got nothing to add. I, I have said my piece about this guy, and I, I'm, I'm just not going to. I'm going to leave it at Patrick. I'm, I don't need to say anything else. Yeah, can't wait for this season, Joe Biagini. Yay. Yeah, that's a lie. You can sense our lack of enthusiasm here. Um, again, could be. I was gonna say it could be worse, but I. That's a lie. I can't even. Hey, can't could even be Danny Barnes. Um, let's hmm. talk about John Axford then, because John Axford says he wants to pitch for the Jays again, and he wants to mentor the other pitchers. John Axford, I don't think can bring a lot anymore when it comes to relief appearances. I mean, maybe we save him for like garbage time purposes, <laughs> so we save some arms. But, I mean, Axford did okay with the Jays this year. Yeah, he, got, he did, did well enough to get traded. Yeah, but he was a little old. But I think that keeping a Canadian guy on the roster is always a good idea, especially when he can kind of contribute. Because he's just on that fringe where he's like, yes, he can perform a little bit, but he can also be really, really bad. Yeah, he'd be middle relief at this point. Um, we saw him work some later innings after the whole Osuna debacle last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he never closed, which was good. Yeah. <laughs> but what if we just pick him up to trade him again? What's the point? Well, I mean, if you you can sign him for a reasonable contract, we still need arms to fill that pen out. Phelps was a good start. Um, and if he wants he wants to come back and mentor young pitchers, I, I have nothing. I have not no problem with that. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to be paying him millions and millions of dollars to do so. Uh, it, it, having a veteran bullpen arm like that around is just another coach. Yeah. He's been around. He's he's closed for multiple teams. He's pitched for multiple teams in multiple uh, divisions and leagues, both leagues now. Uh, so good for him. Like if he wants to come back, why not? Patrick, do you think Axford coming to Toronto is realistic, or is this just him kind of hoping for a contract? I think it's realistic. I it, just because we need the arms. Um, we love the Axeman here in Canada. It's just a win-win. Even if he sucks, he's like Justin said. It's like having an extra coach, and you you're not gonna suffer from having an extra veteran presence in your bullpen. Um, but it does mean that if they're going to do that, and they are gonna sign guys like uh, Dave Phelps, uh, etc. If we're gonna have an older bullpen, they might as well have younger arms. They think are the future of the bullpen in there, so that they learn from him. Otherwise, it's just a waste of time. So. I think it's if they end up signing him, we are definitely going to see uh, at least one of Sean Reed Foley, Thomas Pannone, Nate Pearson uh, get promoted into the bullpen so that they can learn from the X man. That won't be Nate Pearson. I'll tell you that no. much. We no, were, it won't be. We but talk- I mean, I had to throw his name in there. Yeah. We were talking about the market for catchers earlier in the show. Yeah, we were. Uh, Yasmani Grandel to Milwaukee, one year, eighteen point two five mil. Uh, the Mets offered him a four year deal, uh, average, sixty million dollars, yeah, deal. fifteen million dollars a year, and he turned it down to get more money for one year with Milwaukee. But that just shows you how ridiculous the catcher market is right now. I mean, no offense to Yasmani Grandel, but I mean, eighteen point two five million dollars. Well, the the, cra- okay. the crazy thing is, is that there's all this trade talk surrounding uh, JT Realmuto with with the Marlins. And over the past couple of seasons, or plus three years even, Grandal's been better than Real Muto has. And yeah. the asking price for Real Muto right now is off the charts. Um, I think the point, Grandal turned down, I think it was a $16 million qualifying offer from the uh, Dodgers. Uh, so he was hoping when the Mets offered him an average annual value of a 16, that would have been below the qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. 
so he held out hoping for a term that was somewhere similar to uh 20 million like russell martin and yadi melina will, will be making this season obviously buster posey's the highest paid catcher at 22 mil uh those three guys were leading into the last couple of years the top three catchers in the league obviously martin has definitely definitely fallen out of there and has been supplanted by a few different folks but Grandall is still, I think he's a top five catcher in baseball right now. And to make 18.25 for one year is good, but obviously for a player, you want a longer term. That just shows how bad the catchers are in the major leagues right now. I mean, there there has never been like a yeah. huge crop of great catchers, but like, man, no, Grandall's in the top gone five. are the days of the Piazzas. Yeah, so, like uh, it's kind of weird how <laughs> catchers aren't really like, you know, lighting it up anymore. No. Um, Patrick, anything to add about this catcher dilemma here or catcher deals? Boy, it says a hell of a lot about what we should be thinking about Milwaukee and what we should be thinking about the Mets that Grandel did that. I, w- I would have taken the deal with the longer term and the more guaranteed money, but Grandel just wants to win. Yeah, and and he Mets doesn't want to joke. play on a loser team like the Mets. Yeah, the Mets so, are a complete joke. Uh, last thing up here, there was an article, I forget who it was written by, but... Um, it said that the Bryce Harper, or it said that the Jays had contemplated bringing in Bryce Harper. Contemplating. And when you looked at it, I mean, the Jays have a hundred million in cap right now. I mean, if there is a team that can afford him, it is the Jays. The Jays yeah. are one of the possible suitors for him. I want to get your guys' reaction on that because I didn't even hear Toronto and Bryce Harper <laughs> in the same sentence up until today. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we've contemplated it. We're thinking about it. Is this ever? That's it's probably not going to happen. No, but, but if it did happen, and we're paying Bryce Harper thirty million dollars a year, what would you think? The every team is going to say that they've looked at Bryce Harper. It's like when the Jays had uh, checked in on Dallas Keuchel. Mm-hmm. Every team did. He was one of the top free agent pitchers who's still on the market because of yeah. Scott Boris's agent again. Um, the problem with signing Bryce Harper is that it really would put pressure on the team to win now, and the rest of the team just isn't ready for that. No. It would it would force, it would almost force our front office of Shapiro and Atkins to start selling off a lot of prospects, like Alex Anthopoulos had to do, to bring in more players. And it, the Jays just aren't in a stage where that makes any sense. Their biggest prospect hasn't played a game above AAA yet and likely won't until the middle of April because mm-hmm. of more service time manipulation, which is a stupid thing that needs to go. But I would love to see Bryce Harper. Does it make sense from a winning standpoint and from a big name publicity standpoint? Yeah, of course it does. But from a right now standpoint and a two years from now standpoint, yeah, Bryce Harper is only 26. He's probably still going to be really good in a couple of years. But is Bryce Harper going to want to come to a market and languish for a couple of seasons? Like the Jays aren't quite as like the Phillies want him. They want him and Machado, mm-hmm. and they're closer to winning now. Like they've brought in guys that have great pitchers like Aaron Nola and Jake Arrieta. Uh, they're really close to winning. The Jays just aren't. Our division does not allow us to just turn it around on on a dime like those other the other teams can. But so. he's only twenty six. Yes. So when the Jays rebuild kind of comes to fruition in about three years, he'll only 29. be twenty nine. But does he want to wait? Maybe. Maybe he sees Vladdy and Bichette and all the guys that we have, Biggio, and he's yeah. like, you know what? This team's going to be pretty good, and I can be like if, the face of that team. And if the Bryce of this doesn't want to play in Washington for 10 years and whatever, $330 million, whatever the contract ended up being with them, why would he want to play in Toronto? Kawhi Leonard was bashing Toronto, too, and it seems like he's liking it there right now. Yeah, well. Just throwing it out there. He's, Patrick, a, fun, he's a fun guy. Patrick, do you ever, do you, well, two-part question. Do you think getting Bryce Harper is realistic, and would you like it if we gave him $30 million a year? 
No and no. This is just <laughs> this is just GMs saying exactly what they're supposed to say to make people get excited for the season. Bryce Harper's not coming to Toronto. Don't worry about it. It's you, all, it's let's move on. You guys aren't fun. It's not that we're not fun. It would be great. I'm not I'm not going to argue that it wouldn't be great. It just doesn't make sense it, it it does and it doesn't like i said like it, it it makes sense from our point of view where it'd be awesome to have bryce harper on our yeah. team who who wouldn't want bryce harper right now but at the same time like i said does bryce harper want to wait three years before a team to be good and that might never happen because yeah we might be okay on the field but our pitching really needs to come around yeah it's a sexy Alex Anthopoulos. It's very, very sexy. But that's why I want it to happen. I'm all about the sexy. Uh, that's it. That's all for episode two, season two in the books. Um, yeah. Russell Martin will miss you. I think that was the uh, moral of this podcast here because, man, Russell Martin, he was a big part of the Jays for four years. Even though he was pretty bad this year, still nothing but good memories for him. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, wherever you listened, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Google Play Music, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you listen, big thanks. Um, again, send us all your comments and concerns on all the social media stuff. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we're all over it. Not going to mention the other one. We're done that. That joke's old. We've beaten a dead horse there. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all uh, for Justin, for Patrick. My name's Clayton. Um, Patrick, you get the song choice today, buddy. What are we leaving with? We are shutting her down with some red hot chili peppers. <laughs>